Um, we've, been, we've been going through this series called Roadblocks Moving Forward. Um, we're talking about some things that as we follow Jesus, as we're moving along that path, the road that we're walking on, sometimes we come across some things that end up being roadblocks for us. Um, they slow down our progress. They might even result in distance between us and Jesus. Um, sometimes these roadblocks are things of our own making, our choices that we've made, for example, or things that we've done. Uh, but sometimes they're the fallout of choices that other people make. And the results are the same with both of those, though. They end up stopping our progress in this walk with Jesus. So we're talking about some of the roadblocks we might encounter. They can bring our pursuit of spiritual and emotional health and wholeness and spiritual maturity to a standstill. Now, it is our hope in this um, series to be able to do a few things. The first thing is that we can begin to acknowledge and address these roadblocks, that we recognize what's happening and we recognize that this is that roadblock that we've talked about and that we can begin to move forward and regain some of our spiritual momentum as we follow Jesus. So our format that we've been following here um, in this series, we talk about what the roadblock is, we talk about what it looks like, how it impacts us, how we can move around it and move forward. Um, we've been hanging out in Galatians 5.25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Um, so far, we have covered the roadblocks of cynicism, and we talked about how trust is our way around that. Labels, we talked about how love is our way around that. Overwhelm, we talked about how clarity is our way around that. Hurry, and we talked about how rest is our way around that. Shame and insecurity, we talked about how our identity as children of God and understanding that is our way around that. Fear, and we talked about how courage and intimacy with God is our way around that. Today's roadblock is comparison. Um, as you may have noticed during this series, we, we've tended to talk, to talk about things that we struggle with ourselves. This is no different. Comparison is one that I struggle with. I struggle with actually quite a bit. Um, over the years, I have learned some strategies to try to get around that roadblock. I'll share some of those with you in a few minutes. But I think it's important to understand what comparison is, what it can do to us, and then how we can get around that. Do any of you ever watch the NFL draft? Usually happens towards the end of April. I love it because I'm a, I'm a huge NFL fan, huge football fan. I love to see the next crop of players coming in. I, I like to follow the stuff ahead of time. There's always predictions about who's going to go in what order, and that almost never happens the way that it's predicted. It's kind of fun to watch those happen. Um, but as you notice, when they're talking about these guys that get um, selected in the draft, what do they tend to do? They talk about comparing them but, but to either current or past NFL players. And you can try to see, oh, this player is like this, or he's going to be like this, or he's going to have a role like this. So that comparison is there in that NFL draft. It's, it's helpful to help you understand kind of what this person might bring um, to the league, but that comparison happens in the draft. So when we're talking about comparison, we're going to define it this way. Comparison is a consideration or estimate of the similarities or dissimilarities between two things or people. So comparison always has to have at least two things, ob objects, people, whatever, that you're trying to compare the similarities or dissimilarities between. Um, according to some studies, we spend as much as 10% 
of our time and 10% of our thoughts thinking about comparisons of some kind. So it's a pretty significant portion of our, of our day and of our brain power is spent on comparisons. Now, comparisons, we're going to talk about unhealthy and healthy comparisons because it can be good. They can, there, there are some comparisons that can be healthy. Um, some of them can make us thankful, for example, and appreciative of what we have, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But what we often see with comparison is it does the opposite, right? It often leads to sin, things like covetousness, things like jealousy, greed, arrogance. That's where comparison tends to lead us a lot of the time. So why do we compare? Why do we have sort of this innate need in, in ourselves to compare ourselves with other people? Well, in 1954, there was a psychologist named Leon Festinger. He developed a theory called social comparison theory. This is what he said about it. He said that individuals determine their own social and personal worth based on how they stack up against others. So we tend to use comparison, comparing ourselves against other people to sort of set our value and set our worth, which is a bad thing, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But that's why we tend to compare. So we think about, often we look at things, and sometimes we feel like, we're less than the other person, right? Sometimes we see what they have or who they are or how much money they make or they're better looking than whatever, and we feel like we don't measure up. So we feel like we're less than. But sometimes we also feel like we're better than that other person. So we think we are better looking or we make more money or whatever. We're better at this thing than they are. Um, so it's either a less than or better than often whenever we're looking at comparisons comparing ourselves with other people. And neither one of those are good. We don't want to feel like we're less than somebody else. We don't want to feel like we're better than somebody else. Let's talk about some of the unhealthy comparisons because there's, there's a lot that we tend to struggle with as, as people. Um, author Nona Jones, in, in the book Killing Comparison, she dedicated the book, and, and this was her, her dedication um, in that book, everyone who has ever felt like you were less than because it seemed like someone else was more. That's who she dedicated the book to. Anyone who ever felt that way? I think we all could probably raise our hands on that one. We've all probably felt that way at different times. So we do tend to compare ourselves to other people, to what they have, and that becomes the measuring stick for our worth. That's where the real problem, I think, tends to come in, because we tend to stack ourselves up against this other person that we're comparing ourselves to or these other people, and then we try to kind of set our value and worth against that. They, you know, they might be better looking than we are, so we say, oh, well, I'm not as valuable, and I'm not worth as much as that person because they look better than I do. Well, don't forget that you are also created in the image of God, you were created by God. His fingerprints are all over you. Like there's evidence of that everywhere that you were created in the image of God. You are wonderful and beautiful just as God made you, just as you are. So when you are, are tempted to sort of think about, hmm, I'm going to compare myself to this other person, maybe ask yourself some questions like this. Well, well didn't God create me too? Yeah, God created me too. So I'm, a, I'm special. I have value. I have worth. 
Didn't he design me? He absolutely did. Scripture tells us that he designed you and knit you together in the womb. He has a plan for you. Didn't he create me just as he wanted me to be? Yep, he did, exactly as he wanted you to be. He didn't make a mistake. So why do we think that maybe he made a mistake with me? Because sometimes we feel that way. So asking yourself some questions like that can help you kind of stop that comparison with other people based on looks. What about they make more money than I do? That's a big one for a lot of us, right? Uh, we tend to compare our, our salaries or what our lifestyles are like. Um, we have a problem in this country, though, of overwork. Uh, it's often referred to as hustle culture, and, and some people wear that as a badge of honor. Like, I worked 100 hours this week. That's not a good thing. Like, what are you missing out on? What are you giving up to have that 100 hours of work? Um, so we think of it as a badge of honor, but it really becomes a problem for us. There, there's a Facebook page that I follow, and I don't remember the name of the page, but I did see this quote on it. It says, 20 years from now, no one will remember that you worked extra hours this week or what you accomplished in that time. But your kids will remember that you weren't there for that game or that concert. So it really comes down to our priorities, right, and setting our priorities in life of what's important to us, what's most important to us, how we're spending our time shows us what our priorities are. So if we're caught up in the hustle culture game and we're caught up in overwork, then we're going to lose a lot of other things. So maybe ask yourself some questions like this. Is money really the most important thing to me? Because if you're in that overwork, hustle culture, way too much time at the office type of thing, maybe money is the most important thing to you and you have to think about that. What does chasing more money cost me? What is it costing you? What are you missing out on? Time with family, time with friends, pursuing hobbies, doing things to better yourself as a person, rest, all those things you're missing out on when you're just chasing more money, and is it worth the cost? So you find out, it's costing me this and this, is it worth that cost? And oftentimes, when you look at it that way, you're like, no, it's not worth that cost. Um, so that's one way you can try to sort of not compare yourself with money. What about the things that people have? This is one of the ones that I, I tend to struggle with. For me, one of the big things is, is trucks. I, I like trucks. I like trucks. I, I love to, to drive a truck, I love to, to have them, I look at them, man, when I, I go by a dealership and I see all the nice trucks lined up there, like, ooh, I want one of those. I have a truck, uh, it's 2008 Chevy Avalanche, 160,000 miles on it, it's a bit rusty, um, air conditioning doesn't get cold anymore, the buttons are worn, so it's easy for me to look at that truck and say, it's not as nice as that one over there. I want a different one. I want what that person has for a truck, because that's a nice truck. It's easy for me to do that. And it's not just trucks. That's one of the big things for me, but there's other things, too, that I tend to compare. Um, but we tend to let our stuff, or, or the lack of stuff, set our worth, right? Sometimes we look at that and say, I don't have this, this, and this. I must not be worth as much as that person. And that's just not right, and that's not okay. So how can we stop doing that? So 
maybe ask yourself things like, why do you think this thing gives you worth? Why, why, does, why does having a truck in the first place or having a nice truck as opposed to an older truck somehow give you worth? Well, it doesn't. But we tend to think that way sometimes. Well, what happens when that thing inevitably wears out or breaks or is no longer useful or usable? What happens then if you've tied your worth to this object or this thing, what happens when it's no longer usable? Does that mean that your worth suddenly diminishes? Well, it shouldn't because it shouldn't affect your worth, but I think sometimes it does for people. Sometimes when they don't have those nice things, they feel like they're less than somebody else. What about this one? They have the life that I want. They're living the life that I want to live. Well, do you really know the kind of life that they have? Or do you only know what is presented to you as the kind of life that they have? You're looking at what they're posting on social media. You're looking at what they're telling you and other people, but you're not seeing all the things in the background that are happening. You're not seeing the problems that they're facing. You're not seeing all the things that they're going through. You're only seeing a curated picture of what they want you to see. And what is missing from the life that you have? When you look at their life, is there something that you have that they don't? Because often that is the case. What would they see in your life and say, I want that? Have you ever thought about that? That person that you're looking at and saying, I want to live their life, maybe they're looking at you and saying, I want to live your life because you have this and this that I don't have. Their values are not your own, and you have to be okay with that. Everybody sets their own values. Um, author Rachel Cruz in the book Love Your Life, Not Theirs says this, one of the biggest problems with comparisons is that we allow other people to define our values. You've got to know what you value, that's right, what you value, not what your friends value, and not what the culture says you should value. Your values are up to you, but not too many people, um, but too many people never take the time to figure out what's really important to them. They just go with the flow and chase the life everyone else is chasing without ever stopping to ask what they want for themselves. Every individual and every family is going to have a different set of values. That's what makes us all unique. So when you're thinking about looking at someone else's life and saying, I want to live that life, but their values are not your values. Their path is not your path. Live your own life. Set your own values. Figure out what's important to you and to your family, and then that's the kind of life that you should pursue. So ask yourself questions like this. Do you really want that person's life? I mean, really. It might sound fun right now, but do you really want to have everything they have and live that life? What would you be giving up to be able to live that life? What are you going to be missing that you currently have now? What would you lose? And would it be worth it? Would it be worth giving up what you have to live the life that you think that you want that they have? What about this one? They don't have to deal with this health issue that I have, this challenge that I have. They don't have to deal with these things. Well... They have their own issues and challenges that they face. Everybody does. You might not know about it. You might not see it because they're probably not putting that out there on social media and posting that for the world to see. But they do have their own challenges and issues. They're facing challenges you're not aware of and maybe even they're worse than what you're currently facing. So even though it looks one way, what they, what they show the world, 
They might be dealing with something in the back end that you don't know about and could be worse than anything that you're dealing with. And remember that when you come through a challenge, you can come out of that as a better person. You can grow in that experience, and you can be a better person than you were before you went through that challenge. And you can then help someone else that's facing the same challenge. So maybe you've gone through something, and you see someone else struggling with the same thing, and you can say, hey, I've been through that. Let me help you with that. This is how I got through it. This is what I did. This might be helpful for you. So ask yourself questions like, do I really believe that other people aren't facing their own challenges? I do think sometimes people think that, right? Nobody, they don't have challenges. They're not dealing with things. Yes, they are. Everybody does. So do I really believe that they're not? And why would I think that anyone has a life free of challenges? Because it's just not true. If I look beyond my own challenges, is there a way that I can help someone else overcome their challenge? So looking beyond what's going on with yourself and seeing how you can help those around you. So how do we stop comparing ourselves to others? Because we know it's a bad thing, right? Because it, it only leads to these bad things that we've talked about. How do we overcome that? How do we stop that? Well, the first thing we have to do is to realize it's a trap. If you're a Star Wars fan, you recognize this. It's from the Turn of the Jedi, Admiral Akbar. It is a trap. Comparison traps you because it makes you chase, 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 but you never, ever really get there because you want to know why. If you reach that thing that you're chasing, what's going to happen? You're going to chase the next thing, and you're going to chase the next thing, and you're going to chase the next thing. It's, it's a trap, and it's a cycle, and it's ongoing, and it holds you there. Celebrate the success of others is another way that we can do it. Their success does not prevent you from being successful. So it's okay to celebrate with people when they have a success in life, when something good happens to them. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to happen to you that are good or that bad things are going to happen to you. It's not like there's only a certain amount of good to go around. Celebrate the successes of others. Um, author Nona Jones in that book, Killing Comparison, also says this, when we view someone as our competition, we pin our success to their failure. But when we view them as our inspiration, we pin our success to their success. And so them being successful can often even encourage us and inspire us to be successful as well. So it's a, it's, it can be a good cycle moving forward from there and celebrating those successes. Um, in, a, in a recent message, I don't know, it was a few, a few months ago, Pastor um, Todd said this, what's true is more important than what you feel is true. And, and that's an important thing to keep in mind. So what is true is that you, as a creation of God, created in his image, have intrinsic value and worth. It's built into who you are because you are a human being, because you are created by God. You have value, you have worth. So even if you don't feel that, it is true. And what's true is more important than what you feel is true. And then another way is to refuse to compare yourself to someone else. I have this illustration of, of comparison. You've got the uh, dog or wolf there. It says, I wish I could fly. And you have the fish that says, I wish I could walk. And you have the bird that says, I wish I could swim. And then they look at the duck, and he just smiles. Because <laughs> the duck can do all three, right? The duck can walk and fly and swim. 
The duck doesn't need to compare himself to anybody, right? The, the duck is happy as he is. Be the duck. Don't compare yourself to other people. Be the duck. And then focus on you and what you need to do. Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5 says this. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. So if we spend time focusing on what we need to do, how we need to grow, how we need to get better, how we need to fulfill our responsibilities, how we need to live our life to please God, there's not going to be as much time to compare with other people because you're going to be focusing on what you're doing and making sure that you're doing your best. So another thing that we compare ourselves to besides other people is our, in our own lives, unfulfilled goals and dreams and unmet expectations. So we sometimes compare ourselves to the life that we thought we would have. Maybe the life that we wanted to have and it just hasn't gotten there yet. We just haven't, it hasn't turned out as we hoped, as we imagined, as we dreamed. So what if your life doesn't look like you thought it would by now? Because I think we all have times in our lives that we go through that. Well, it's important, I think, and, and, and to think about and remember that what we're really doing is comparing our current life to an idea, a thought, a hope, right? It's not real. It's not there. It's not true. It's, a, it's an idea, a hope, a thought, but it's not actual reality. We mourn something that never actually existed. It's a, it was potential and nothing more. So we mourn this idea, this hope, this dream that never even was a thing in reality. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves, was it even realistic? Was, was my, my uh, vision of what my life would be like right now, was it really even realistic to begin with? Is it something that really could have happened? And, and, and if it could have, what would have had to happen to make that happen along the way? What choices would have had to make differently to make that happen? What would I have given up to make that happen? So how do we stop comparing ourselves to this mythical life that we thought we would be living? Well, the first thing and the most important thing, I think, is to accept that things are the way that they are. So your life, the way that it is now, that's reality. And that's where we need to start. Accept that things are the way that they are. Learn to find joy in your life because it is there if you look for it. Sometimes you have to look a little harder, but joy is there and you can find it and you need to learn to find that joy that's there in your current life. Think about what you would be missing if your life turned out as you wanted it to. Have you ever really thought about that? I wish I was over here living this kind of life, but I'm over here living this life. Okay, but what do you have in your current life now that you wouldn't have if you had this life over here that you think you wanted? What would you have given up along the way? What would it have cost you? What would you be missing? Because sometimes if you understood that and you realized that, you would say, wait, I don't really want that life after all because I would be missing too many things or missing the important things. So think about what you might be missing if your life turned out that way. So those are unhealthy comparisons that we tend to uh, make ourselves. Let's talk about some healthy comparisons because there are some things 
that we should compare ourselves to. The first one is what we deserve versus what we have been given. One that we think about, I think right off of the, the, the bat, is we deserve death, but we have been given life. When we think about that and we compare that we really deserved death, but God has given us life, that's a healthy comparison to make. In Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So thinking about we deserved death, our sin condemned us, but God gave us life because of his love for us. So that we no longer are under that death, we're under life, we have that life, that's a healthy comparison. What about condemnation is something that we deserve, but we get pardon instead? Romans 8, 1 through 2, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leaves, that leads to death. So we were condemned because of our sin, but Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross now gives us pardon for that sin. So we deserve condemnation, but we get pardon instead. What about we deserve to be separated from God for eternity, but we've been adopted as children of God? Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, but when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that, we could, that, so, excuse me, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. And so we deserved complete and total separation from God for eternity. Instead, we're adopted into God's family. We're heirs of God. He's giving us, given us that because of his love for us. Another healthy comparison to make is who we are now versus who God has called us to be. So we're on a faith journey. All of us are on a faith journey. This is a lifelong pursuit, one in which we don't ever really arrive on this side of eternity. We're always moving forward. So no matter how far you have come, there's always further to go. No matter how much you have learned about God and his word, there's always more to discover. No matter how good your relationship with God is, there's always room to grow. And so comparing ourselves to where we are now in our um, walk with God and where he wants us to be can help us keep moving forward in that direction, and it can help us to uh, keep growing, keeps us humble. It means we can always improve, and it's a healthy comparison. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So always it's a lifelong pursuit. We won't ever get there. We won't ever arrive this side of heaven, but it's something to keep pushing for. The late Tim Keller, pastor and author, just passed away oh, a couple weeks ago. Um, he said this, Contemporary people tend to examine the Bible looking for things they can't accept. But Christians should reverse that, allowing the Bible to examine us looking for things God can't accept. 
And if we take that attitude, we're going to continue on our growth journey and our faith journey with God. Another healthy comparison is who we are now versus who we used to be. Because we are not the same person that we used to be. Have you really stopped to take a look at where you are now to where you used to be? Have you, have you, have you taken some time to do that? Because that's a healthy um, thing to do. That's a good thing to do because it can help you see your growth and your moving forward and how you've gotten better at certain things, how you're a better person now than you were before. Um, so we're not the same person. And our only competition should be the person that we see in the mirror and who they were yesterday. So that's the only person we're competing against. We're not competing against this person and that person. We're competing against the person in the mirror, who they used to be yesterday. In this journey called life, we should never stop changing and never stop growing. It's always a constant thing. We're changing and growing. John Newton, um, he wrote many hymns, including Amazing Grace, but he had this to say, I am not what I might be. I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be. But thank God, I am not what I once was. And so I like to think of it this way. I am not who I ought to be, but thank God, I am not who I once was. So I'm not back here. I've come a long way. I've grown. I'm going to continue to grow. A year from now, I can look back and say, I'm not here. I've come a long way. I've grown. I'm not who I ought to be, but thank God, I'm not who I once was. Celebrate that growth, too, as you move along anticipate continuing that improvement and keep moving forward. Um, one of my favorite athletes of all time is Tom Brady. And he recently, um, there's an Under Armour commercial um, that has him and, and Morgan Freeman is um, narrating a letter that Tom wrote for this, for this commercial. It was a letter to future athletes, and this is what he said. This letter is for you. From what I hear, you're supposed to be the next Tom Brady. What I'm about to say is important. Never let them call you the next Tom Brady. When they compare you to the GOATs, which is greatest of all time, tune it out. When they say you're a sixth-round draft pick, store it away. Compare yourself to nobody but the kid in the mirror, the one that goes all in, all out, and has the crazy confidence to know that, you are, that who you are today is just a piece of who you're going to become. This letter is for that you, the one no one will see coming. So comparing ourselves to who we used to be and who we are today is a healthy form of comparison. So we've talked a bit about this roadblock of comparison and how it can affect us, how it can impact us, what it does to us. So how do we get around it? What are, what are we striving for instead when we hit this roadblock of comparison? What do we want to move to instead of comparing? Well, what we want to get to is contentment because comparison and contentment are opposites, often. Um, contentment is a state of happiness and satisfaction. Um, the state of being mentally and emotionally satisfied with things just as they are, peace of mind. That's what contentment really is. It's peace of mind. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12 says, "'Not that I was ever in need,' for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. 
I found this quote. I couldn't find who the author was. What I found it on just said unknown. But it says this, Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of how much you already have. Um, Author Rachel Cruz went on to also say this, Contentment isn't when we have enough. It's when what we have is enough. And then psychiatrist Michael McGee had this to say, Contentment is being happy with who we are, with the people in our lives, and with our life situation. It is a practice of reverence for the reality of this moment just as it is, reverence for who we are just as we are, and reverence for others just as they are. When we are content, this moment is more than enough, and enough is an abundant feast. I love what he has to say in that quote of, it's a practice of reverence for the reality of this moment just as it is. So what about happiness? Because isn't that what we're supposed to be chasing? Aren't we supposed to be chasing happiness instead of contentment? Well, let's take a look at at, at happiness for a minute. So happiness is based on external factors and circumstances, right? Happiness is dependent upon what is going on around us, and and it's it's, um, based on external factors, but contentment actually transcends all those things. Contentment is not dependent upon what is happening. Contentment is its own thing. Uh, It's not uh, um, dependent upon the external factors. Happiness is pretty short-lived, right? I mean, you can be happy one minute and sad the next, and it doesn't last long sometimes, and it comes and goes. It's short-lived, but contentment is long-lasting. Contentment lasts. Happiness is an emotion. Contentment is an attitude and a state of mind. And happiness is a reaction but contentment is a choice. So that's the difference between happiness and contentment. So when we're talking about contentment, does that mean that we should not still want to improve things in our life or that we should not want to keep doing things different or or make a better life for ourselves? No. It's still okay to want to improve your life. Um, That psychiatrist Michael McGee also had this to say, there is a paradox about contentment Because contentment gives us the peace of mind and the positivity needed to heal, to grow, and to improve our life situation. Content people are not complacent. They still have drives and aspirations. Content people still want to make the world a better place. We can be happy with this day and still dream of a better tomorrow. If you'd like to heal and grow, start with contentment. If you'd like your life to improve, start with contentment. If you'd like to help others to heal and grow, start with contentment and acceptant appreciation of others just as they are. So yeah, we're not saying that you can't have hopes and dreams and, and push forward and try to, try to do things and better yourself. I, I actually just this week started on the Bachelors of Cloud Computing program at Western Governors University because um, I want to move into cloud computing um, for the rest of my career. Um, So it's something that I'm pushing forward for, something I'm working on, something I'm striving for. I still feel pretty content where I am in life right now, though. It's not that that I feel like I have to do this or I'm not going to have the life I want, but it is something that will help me and better my life and get to where I would like to go. So have your goals, have your hopes, have your dreams. Those are all healthy and good. Um, Set a goal of where you want to be, make a plan to get there, and then work your plan. But the secret of contentment is this, while chasing the goal, don't forget to enjoy the ride. Don't be so eager to reach that place that you forget the important things 
and the good things in your life right now. And that's what contentment really is about. Recognizing the good, finding joy in your life as it is, being content with where you are, but still striving to make those dreams and goals and, and hopes a reality. So how do we move from comparison to contentment? If we, we know that comparison is, is not a good thing, unless it's the healthy comparisons we talked about, we want to get to contentment, but how do we get there? Well, one way is to be yourself. Authenticity is one key to contentment because one of the things that we kind of tend to compare ourselves with other people is, is what they look like, how they are, what they can do, what, what they can't do. Um, instead, just be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Be yourself. Number two, let go of the past. You don't live there anymore. So let go of those things that happened in your past. Learn from it. Don't make the same mistakes if you can help it, but let go of it and move on. You don't live there anymore. Third, find joy in your life just as it is, because it is there. You might have to search a little bit, but it is there. There are things that you can find joy in right now. And again, remember, it's not happiness we're talking about. Happiness is, is, is fickle, depends on circumstances, it's fleeting, Joy goes beyond that. Joy and contentment are very similar in that they're a choice, and it's an attitude and a state of, a state of mind. Um, the fourth thing, be okay with other people living a good life. It's okay to see somebody else succeeding and, and getting good things and having good things happen to them. Celebrate that with them. Uh, it's not like they were going to run out of goodness. There's plenty of goodness to go around. So celebrate with other people. Be okay with other people living a good life. Number five, recognize the good things all around you. Uh, that kind of goes with, with the find joy in your life, but find those things, write them down even, share them with others, the good things that happen. If you take time to take stock of that and think about all those good things, it can help you. And then thank God for who he made you to be, where he has placed you, and what he has called you to do. So when we're thanking God for who we are and where we are and what, what we are, there's not going to be much time and room for comparison, right? Because we're thanking God for us exactly as we are. <clears throat> I want to leave you with this little uh, mnemonic device, I guess you'd call it, uh, to help us move from uh, comparison to contentment, and we're going to call it STOP, S-T-O-P. And the S is set aside jealousy, covetousness, and greed. Because those are the things, those are the types of sins that comparison often leads us to. So set aside those things. T, think about what God has given to you. Think about what you have. Think about where you are so you can be content with what you've got and find joy in that place. O, only compare yourself to the person in the mirror and who they were yesterday. Don't compare yourself to anybody else, just the person staring back at you in the mirror and who they were yesterday. And then finally, P, purpose to be content. Remember, contentment is a state of mind. It's a choice. It's not something that you, just kind of happens to you. You have to grab it, and you have to choose it. And you can ask God to help you with that, because it's probably going to be a struggle. Um, but ask God to help you to be content with what you have and where you are. So purpose to be content. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, this look at comparison and what it can do to us, how it impacts us, how it 
negatively affects our lives and how we can move from comparison to contentment, how we can see the good things that you have placed in our life, how we can find joy in our life as it is, how we can choose contentment instead of comparison. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.